Good morning, everyone. Jim Laird here. Dr. Stillman will be joining me shortly. I, it looks like I've finally, I look like a human being again, uh, not some uh, red alien lobster from another planet. I changed the angle so that I'm not facing the sun and I got a different camera, so I think this is much better. Um, so be it. But today, uh, we're going to be talking about can you get enough iodine from your diet? And this is something that Dr. Stillman and I spent a lot of time talking about, like kind of how things are different today because of, you know, there's just a lot more toxins in the environment. There's a lot more chemicals. There's a lot more garbage in the food. There's a lot more garbage in the water. You know, people are getting outside a lot. And, you know, the sun is a major detoxification tool. Um, so, you know, I think the standard recommendations, um, are not going to be sufficient anymore. And there's going to be some things that you're going to have to do to offset some of the things that are happening to us. I think particularly the number of the amount of microwave weight radiation that's just being blasted at us, especially if you live in big cities. I mean, there's cell towers on every corner. You know, everybody has four or five devices. Uh, we're constantly being blasted by Wi-Fi radiation. And, you know, I, I don't really stress out about that too much because I do so many other things to mitigate um, my health. But at the same time, it is an underlying stressor. I really make sure when I'm working with people that I don't turn it into this um, thing that becomes like a huge underlying stress where people are just so worried about it that they, it creates a massive stress. So there's a balance there between awareness and obsession and then making sure people are taking care of all the low hanging fruit and they don't get like overly hyper aware of something they don't necessarily have that much control over. Good morning, Dr. Stillman. I think we finally got my camera figured out. I don't look like a lobster from another planet. Good. I'm glad you were looking like a lobster from another planet. I know with the direct with the direct sun hitting me in the morning with that other weird camera I had. Uh, it, it was making me look like I was either on a lot of uh, blood pressure raising medications or or melanotan or melanotan, which don't uh, forget the melanotan. I don't think I don't think that's really a factor because I'm microdosing it. I get it, man. I mean, I anyway. was pretty pretty dark before I started microdosing melanotan. So, all right. So I've just got done talking about how our modern world is a lot different. There's a lot mm -hmm. more toxins. There's a lot more EMF. There's a lot more pollution. Yes. There's a lot Lots. more crap, crap in the Lots. water. Uh, and I was talking about how we talk about all the time, how a lot of things that, you know, might've been okay in the past might not be uh, adequate today. That's right. So where, what is iodine? What does it do? And where does it come from? So iodine is an element in the periodic table of elements, obviously. Hold on, I got to sneeze. Oh, you muted yourself. That was cute. I did, right? You didn't hear that sneeze. Anyway, so iodine is an element in the periodic table of elements. It is essential for the production of thyroid hormone. And that's what most people in the health and wellness industry know about it. That right there. Now, what also has happened is that the health and wellness industry has gotten, um, and I mean this in the conventional world and in the integrative world, 
people are scared of using iodine because it's very powerful. It's powerful for reasons that I think they don't understand. Thank you, James. <clears throat> James said, God bless you. Yeah, most, most appreciated. We can use yeah. all the blessings we can get right now. Absolutely. Everyone so, can actually. That's true. So um, what happened was people saw that thyroid numbers would change significantly when they were on high doses of iodine. They also saw that sometimes people's thyroid antibody levels would go up when you gave them iodine. But whenever you see a lab change in response to something you've done, you shouldn't jump to conclusions about what it means clinically. So first of all, for people who don't know, antibodies can be good or bad. They can cause you to have tolerance of something, which is important. You want to tolerate your thyroid gland. And they can cause you to attack something, right? Which could happen or create an autoimmune thyroid uh, picture. But the point with all this is that what happened with the labs and the way that they pan out or, or are affected by high doses of iodine is that people drew the wrong, I think, conclusion that because it made iodine, or rather I should say thyroid hormone numbers change, it was bad and you had to avoid iodine. This isn't good because in clinical practice, when you actually start giving patients iodine, they do much, much better clinically and they don't have any worsening of their illnesses. Their thyroid function doesn't get worse. And I, I can't say this across the board, but in very general, we, we did a thyroid program back in February, had about 60 people in that program. And a lot of those people, uh, I, I told them to eat more iodine, not a single complaint. One person took too much, had a little bit of insomnia, a little bit of anxiety, backed off the dose, immediately got better. So people need to realize that this is something that can be used to really help people. The question whenever I find a nutrient that I find helpful in my practice is, can I get enough of this from food or do we need to supplement it? And I want to share with people one of my favorite graphics on this from one of the companies that I actually get my seaweed from. Hopefully you guys can see the screen now. This is a graph of how much iodine is found in different foods. And so you'll see down here, you've got some legumes, some fruits, some dairy products, some shellfish, then come the fish, and then you get into the seaweeds. And there's no comparison here. You get huge doses of iodine from seaweed. You get very little from fish in relative terms, shellfish and other foods. Now, most foods are not on this graph. I think people will realize that if they look at it, very few foods are rich in iodine. What's happened is that people have, uh, because backing up in the 1900s and 1800s, early 1900s, I really should say, there were big problems with goiter, which is iodine deficiency in America. There was a big goiter belt. It was through the Midwest up into the Great Lakes. Iodine poor soils, diets low in, in seafood, led people to develop these very large and large thyroid glands. And they enlarged because the thyroid gland was looking for more iodine to make thyroid hormone. That's why it got bigger. It was trying to scavenge every last molecule of iodine out of the blood to prevent the patient from becoming overtly hypothyroid. We put iodine in table salt. That's why it's called iodized table salt in order to fix this problem. It effectively made the goiters go away, but 
there's a big difference between the dose of a nutrient that you need in order to avoid overt deficiency and the dose of the nutrient that you need in order to get optimal health. A great example of this would be vitamin C. You know, last week I had a little bug bite right here on my, my forearm. You can barely see it at this point. And I immediately started to take vitamin C, two, four, six grams. Generally speaking, I take somewhere in that range every single day just for my optimal health maintenance for reasons I'll be covering in a blog post here one day. Sign up for my Substack if you're not already signed up. That's where I, I'm going to release that information when I'm ready with it. Um, I'll probably do that sooner now because I've alluded to it here. And that bug bite just went gone. It, it very, very little discomfort, very little swelling, very little pain, very little itching because of the action of the vitamin C. I see it over and over again. I've done this more than one time in the last few weeks with patients who called me or emailed me, messaged me with, you know, acute what we call envenomations and had, I mean, it's almost hundred percent people see an improvement within hours. So back to iodine, what's the optimal dose? Here's where it gets complicated in our modern world as Jim was alluding to. So fluoride and chlorine and bromine are all in the same family of elements as iodine and they all compete with one another. And there's a great book on this that's specifically about acne. Really, it's about fluoridation and the role of fluoride in, in the acne epidemic. That book is called um, Hidden Cause of Acne, I think, by Melissa Gallico. Great book. Very interesting, very thought-provoking. And aside from acne, uh, well, aside from acne, fluoride causes a lot of other problems, which is why I recommend drinking non-fluoridated water that's been remineralized somehow. More on that in my courses, my coaching programs. Jim and I cover that a lot with, with people who are working with us directly. You can either work with us in the Fundamentals of Wellness where we cover this material, or you can work with us in an annual program at my practice. Links for those are in my link tree. So anyway. Is that one of the problems with iodized salt because the uh, the salt has fluoride in it as well as no, the no. iodine? No. Is that only in, is it only in Central America? Yeah, so they actually fluoridate the salt in Central America because they fluoridate the water here. Right. Okay. Gotcha. And so um, back to Melissa's book, which was very interesting. Uh, it's not the first time I heard about fluoride, but I mean, it really, she really goes into great detail of how much fluoride contamination there is in our modern world. Wine, dairy, water, tea, many other consumer products, drugs, pharmaceutical drugs, many common drugs that people take chronically thinking they're not that bad are loaded with fluoride. Because fluoride competes with iodine, it will push iodine out of the body and it will increase your need for iodine. This is part of why we have an epidemic of hypothyroidism. Jim and I are going to be doing a webinar on, on thyroid health in August. Tune in. It's going to be great. People loved it last time. Half the people who showed up to the webinar stayed the whole time. It was an hour and a half. So it was really good for them. And we had a lot of replays as well. So I know you'll get a lot out of that. Links are not ready for that, but make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter, either stillmanwellness.com or my substack, stillmanmd.substack.com. So- And did um, the majority of the people that uh, did the, the thyroid program like roll over into an annual plan as well? Yes, they did. Or they're planning to. Right. Um, some, of them some of them haven't yet jumped in. Uh, so back to iodine, thyroid, salt, all this stuff. When you start to get fluoride out of someone's life, 
a lot of their symptoms of hypothyroidism go away. They have more energy, they have less fatigue, but this doesn't make up for the iodine deficit that you see because of the high doses of fluoride they've been exposed to in modern life. So when you begin to reintegrate iodine in higher doses, you start to see them really come alive. So when I say higher doses, I'm talking about milligram quantities. If you consume a few grams of, of kombu or, or sugar kelp, uh, I think the other name for that is just kelp. Um, you're going to get a milligrams or so quantity of iodine. Now, in all honesty, it's hard to eat more than a few uh, grams of dried seaweed each day. I've tried. It's not very, it's just, it's a lot of chewing. It's the same food over and over again. And a lot of people just don't want to, or don't know how to cook with seaweed. I think that's a shame. It's one of my favorite foods. It's one of tell the them how you tell them how you integrate seaweed into your into your food. You know what? I would love to, but it's a whole t other talk. Okay. And it's something we coach people on in our programs. It's yeah. really good. I could go on and on about seaweed. It's one of my favorite foods. There's a lot of ins and outs to using it, but anyway. So, um, however, this begs the question. Can we get better results if we push people to higher and higher and higher doses of iodine? This is where I want to talk about bromine because the fluoride problem is one thing, but the bromine problem is another one. Many people don't know this, but bromine is in many, 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 many consumer products. If I recall correctly, they replaced perfluorinated fire retardants in consumer products with brominated fire retardants in consumer products, which is just trading one problem for another. They've done this with lots of different things. They've also replaced iodine in baking. It's been used in, in baking for many, many, for a long time. They replaced that with bromine. So many commercial flours, breads, cookies, crackers are loaded with bromine. This means you've got a double dose fluorine uh, bromine coming in and competing with iodine. And that's part of why our iodine requirements, well, I'll say this is why people do so well with high doses of iodine for long periods of time. I also wonder about chlorination of public water supplies and how that competes with iodine, but chlorine and chloride are different. You actually have a lot of chloride in your body. Naturally, you have very, very little, if any fluoride or bromide in your body in a state of nature. These are not things that are used by living systems. Both of them have very, very clear toxidromes that can land you in the hospital. Bromine, that's usually uh, serious video gamers who are using a lot of energy drinks to stay awake and drinking a lot of garbage. Like um, I'm not going to name any brand names for fear of li uh, libel suits or defamation or whatever you call it. Um, but basically they use really terrible sports drinks to keep them going that are loaded with bromine. Uh, with fluoride, you'll see it in people who are, and, and there's no, I mean, fluorosis acutely, I, I've never seen or heard of, but you do get chronic fluoridosis and people can Google that. Uh, Monique mentions in the comments, the talk with Dr. Brownstein was eye-opening. For those of you who don't know, I interviewed Dr. Brownstein, who I'm going to talk about in a minute, I think a few months ago uh, on my Substack and... Uh, it was a great interview. I got a lot out of it. My my subscribers gave me lots of positive feedback on that. 
I cover more about iodine in that talk. I'm going to go into it just then the next, you know, five to 10, 15 minutes is going to be, I'm going to finally wrap up this long rambling talk about iodine with why I started using high dose iodine in short. So Brownstein, Dr. Brownstein and other doctors started to use higher and higher doses of iodine as they investigated how it was being competed or how it was in competition with fluoride and bromide. And they started to see better and better results with higher and higher doses. When I say higher doses, we're talking 5, 10, 15, 20, 50, 100, 300 milligrams of iodine. For the record, I'm not giving any of you medical advice. I don't recommend you do this without clinical supervision. There are ins and outs. There are caveats. There are you know, things I want to explain to people one-on-one -on, -one on the record before I you know, release them to the world with the iodine protocol I have. That's why it's not available to the public. It is for premium subscribers on my sub stack, along with an explanation of my caveats. So I encourage those of you who are on the sub stack upgrade, you'll get a lot out of the premium subscription. So what Brownstein found testing thousands and thousands of people was that around doses of 50 milligrams of iodine, you start to get really great clinical results with a large proportion of patients. Many of them can reduce their thyroid hormone requirements. Many of them see their energy come back. They see weight coming off. They see themselves come back alive. Of all the protocols I've used and come up with in my practice over the years, and to be really clear, I, I came up with my own iodine protocol that I just based on Brownstein's work. Um, this is the one that's gotten me probably the most rave reviews. And people coming to me saying, I feel so much better. I feel younger. You know, if you're struggling with fatigue, stubborn weight loss, you're struggling with your mood, your energy, your mental clarity. I've seen lots of those things respond to high dose iodine. And that's one reason why it's one of the things I'm most excited to use in my practice in any given case. Now that this begs the question then, why can't we get that much iodine from our diet? And why should we use these supplements in order to get there? And the answer is simple. It's the reasons I've already laid out. You're losing a lot of it from competition with fluoride, competition with bromide. Many of you have hidden sources of these in your environment. Melissa Gallico does the best job I've ever seen anyone do of explaining all the sources of fluoride. I don't have an equivalent resource for bromide. Um, I also wonder if stress in our modern world is creating an increased need for iodine. I, I don't have a lot of data on that. I've never seen a paper showing that stress increased excretion or loss of iodine. The other thing I want people to know though, is that iodine and part of why I see it working for so many different problems, including skin problems, by the way, is that 25% of iodine is actually in your skin. That's the link to acne. Uh, it's also in all your glands and reproductive organs. Brownstein and I talk about that in detail in the interview I, I did of him on my Substack. And so you see not just local, or I shouldn't say local, the effects of, of iodine are not limited to increasing thyroid hormone levels. Let me go back to the labs. I actually have been on high dose iodine myself for months. I just got my labs back and I have a borderline elevated TSH. I'm going to do a full thyroid panel. I've talked to Dr. Brownstein about this. High TSH levels are actually a marker for iodine deficiency and the body upregulates TSH in order to absorb more iodine. So again, I want people to understand the clinical reality of using high dose iodine in practice is amazing. 
and people are going to tell you, you have to be afraid of iodine in high doses because of this paper or that paper or the Wolf-Chaikoff effect or all this other nonsense. Again, Brownstein and I cover some of this in the talk we did together, but in my clinical practice, I've seen amazing results. People are very happy and there's no way I could have gotten people these results with lower doses. And there's no way I could have gotten these doses with food alone. So my answer to the question after 20 minutes of talking almost nonstop, it feels like to, can you get enough iodine from your diet is this, you can get enough to be well, but there are huge performance gains and recovery from illnesses I've seen at higher doses that I attribute to this need for iodine that is created by our modern world. So I would hate to have to tackle a case without high dose iodine in my armamentarium, so to speak, because it would make my life a lot harder. And because I've also seen people soak up 50 milligrams day after day after day after day for months on end before they saw the full therapeutic benefit. This is because even though you're taking a supplement, it doesn't mean it's saturating your whole system. You know, just because you took a huge dose of this or that or the other thing doesn't mean it made it to the skin cell that needed it on your forehead or your toe. So sometimes it takes high doses for long periods of time to do that. It's one of few supplements I'll use high doses of for long periods of time. And it's one of very few supplements where I just don't really try too hard to get all of it with food. Pretty much every other nutrient I will, I'm on board to try and help patients fix their deficiencies with food. Sometimes the hole they've dug is too deep for me to do it with food. Um, iodine is one of the ones because of our modern world, because of the stress where I see the benefit from higher and higher doses. And I just don't try and use, use food alone. Um, the other thing I want people to know is that, you know, we have these great studies on all cause mortality and things like cancer, degenerative illnesses, where we see lower and lower rates of these things in people who have a higher intake of iodine each day. And that's another reason why I'm not afraid of increasing the dose. If higher and higher doses of iodine really cause problems, we'd be seeing it in our clinical practices. Those of us who are using these high doses, we would also be seeing uh, higher rates of diseases in, in populations that eat a lot of iodine, most notably people in Southeast Asia, places like Korea, Japan, they have very high doses of iodine in their diet relative to the average American that is uh, because they eat a lot of, of seaweed in their cuisine. You, you recommend Lugol's, correct? And, and here's the other thing people don't understand about iodine. It's so versatile. It's a wonderful wound healer, you know, disinfectant. Yes. Um, this is why Lugol's, iodine, and iodorol are both things that I keep in my medicine cabinet. If people want to know what's in my medicine cabinet, I have a post on that over at my Substack. I created it because I had so many product requests and, and questions from people and my patients would often come to me with an acute problem. And I'd say, well, you need this, this, and this. And they would say, well, look, the source you recommend for that, which is the highest quality, overnight shipping is going to be 50 bucks. You know, I won't be here till the end of the day. Overnight shipping is not available. What can I pick up at the local drugstore? And the answer is you can pick up a lot of bad products at your local drugstore and very few good ones. That's why I created that blog post. You can see all my product recommendations there. Personally, I'm using... Lugol's to taper people up on iodine because you can go by 2.5 milligram increments. And that gives you a huge advantage because you're not hitting people with these big doses. I've had little old ladies and some little young ladies 
not tolerate more than four or five, five drops a day. I've had, you know, little old ladies and little young ladies too tolerate huge doses with no side effects and lots of positive effect. So, um, and that's the other thing Jim was mentioning is you can use it as a topical disinfectant as well. You can put iodine on a huge variety of skin problems and see them improve very rapidly. So Michelle asks, does high dose iodine act as an internal cleansing agent within the body similar to the way iodine is used externally as a disinfectant? Michelle, we believe so. Yes, but it is very hard to document that as I'm sure you can appreciate. Like, But this is why I'm excited to use it in cases where people say, look, I have chronic infections, like I have chronic Lyme disease, or I have these foot infections I can't get rid of, or I have these cysts or uh, chronic acne or skin infections that are, are really troubling me. Look, iodine's found in all those tissues. And when you, and this is the thing about iodine, here's how I really think it works. I, iodine, when it gets into the cell, creates all these side products, so to speak, in your cell membranes that change how the cell functions. And because of that, I believe that it helps the body to cope with pathogens better and get rid of them. I don't know that it's directly an antimicrobial within the body. I think it makes the body's immune response bigger, better, faster, stronger, smarter, so to speak. So that's how I think it's doing that. Anything else, Jim? I think you covered it. That was pretty good. And and really 25 minutes is not that long, long of a time, by the way. I know, but it feels like a long time to talk, to talk. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you did good. Good pausing. Excellent. Thanks. Um, Excellent. Make sure you like and subscribe, share this, um, you know, hit the notification bell on the channel and all that. Hit the notification bell. You can go and look at all the interviews we have coming up in the future. In the next day or two, I'll be getting into next month and then putting up all his Monday master classes. And they can well. see those most easily on YouTube, right, Jim? Yeah, they just go to YouTube and um, basically go under the live button uh, and it'll show all the interviews that are coming up in the next month. Uh, right. By the, end of, by the end of today, I'll have everything uh, put out in the next month. And if you guys have a question um, that you'd like us to cover or a topic you'd like us to cover, just put it in the comments. And we'll uh, we'll add it to the rotation. Yes, um, but yeah, that way you can see exactly what we have going on. There's all of his future webinars are under lives, like the webinar he's doing at the end of the month, the HTMA, the webinar we're going to be doing at the end of next month for thyroid will be on there. So it's a good way to kind of you know get ahead of the curve, so to speak. And the cool thing is, is you can share it with other people that might be interested. Absolutely. And on that. So, note, what is today? You. What today's Wednesday, right? Yeah. Okay, so we'll see. I'll be here tomorrow. Dr. Stillman's going to be traveling, but we're going to okay, have I'm a fun. We'll have a, well, hey, well, hey, if you've got a topic you want me to talk about tomorrow, I have something in mind. But if no, there's something. Good. Huh? I think my topic's good, too. But if yeah. somebody else has a has an idea and I think it's better, then maybe I'll, I'll pivot. We'll see. So. All right. On that note. It out there. Have a great care, day. Everyone. Have a great day. Bye bye.